We would like to say a special thank you to Chris Garlic for sponsoring this week's episode. So somebody could go, uh, let's say, to Mason and say, prove to me why Christ has forgiven your sin. There's nothing to do. The world, you can't take that evidence into court and, and win a case by this, right? What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Scripture First, the podcast that explores how the Lutheran lectionary is working in your life. I'm your host, Mason Van Essen. Jesus tells his disciples he is going to leave them, and they begin to panic. In today's lectionary text, Luther House of Studies Lars Olson explains how Jesus responds to his disciples and to us by promising to give them another advocate. Lars teaches us in order for Jesus to be with us forever, he first has to leave us. The Advocate is the Holy Spirit, who abides with us and in us forever. Jesus is the truth, and the Advocate is the Spirit of truth, using Jesus' word to deliver the promise of faith and life everlasting. Adam Curie and I ask Lars, Why can't the world receive the spirit of truth? Why does Jesus have to leave in order to stay with us forever? And can you prove you're forgiven? Let's get to it. Here's John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, because I live. You also will live. On that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. And now on to this week's conversation. Welcome back to Scripture First. We have Lars Olson here with us this week. Thanks, Thanks for being here, Lars. You're welcome, Mason. I couldn't be more excited to be here with you. <laughs> well, if you loved us, you would have you would have kept our commandments, but alas, here we are. If I loved you, I'd be more excited. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I could be here more often. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us, Lars. Um, sometimes we're worried you just won't show up, but <laughs> here you are again. And so we're excited for that. I could say something, we're in, but it's not yeah. very nice. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're never worried. Mr. Consistent, they call That's him right. in the office. That's right. <laughs> Always count on me. Consistency Always. is his middle name. <laughs> um, so we're in John 14, uh, right after the text. This is the, the sixth Sunday of Easter. And this comes right after the text we heard last week, uh, the fifth Sunday of Easter. And it's <laughs> just right out of it. Yeah. <laughs> the sixth comes after the fifth. <laughs> and we hear uh, Christ say uh, to start us off, 
if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And maybe Kiri actually can just ask the first question because we kind of talked about this prior to the episode that uh, this sort of if then conditional or how how it is we're to hear this or I guess what is Christ saying in this? Adam said it perfectly. Yeah, I think, you know, you're getting right at it when you start off a sentence with if you almost always get right into a conditional sense, right? And, uh, you know, sinners' ears are uh, very attuned to these sorts of things and are always looking for ways that, um, that maybe Jesus isn't for them and is waiting for something for them to do. And of course, uh, it starts right off here. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Um, it sounds like um, Jesus is waiting for you to love him uh, before he's, uh, uh, by loving, by keeping his commandments before he's actually going to do anything for you, right? Yeah. If you keep uh, my commandments, then you love me. Then you love me, right. Uh, yeah. And if, then, and then. And, and he's not speak. that is kind of true in the sense, but, um, you know, what we do is turn that around to be, uh, I'm going to love Jesus more by following his commandments more. And of so course, said, that turns it right back to us doing the law in our own eyes in order yeah. to do Jesus a favor, to make Jesus um, uh, proud of us in some fashion by what we've done, which is exactly not what Jesus is talking about in the rest of John well, 14 well. here. Well, so essentially, if we fl- just flip to that sentence around, I feel like to a sinner's ear, it might make more sense. You will keep my commandments... If you love me, I feel like that maybe sounds a little bit less like a prescription and more of a depiction. Right. I mean, you have to get, you have to get your ears turned around to depiction. You're absolutely right. Rather than a prescription. Well, and I think it's hard for us because that's how we as humans communicate. Yeah. We communicate with others. With the if and thens all the time. Yes. All day, every day. So it's hard to put that into Jesus's terms where that's not how he, that's not how he operates with us. Right. I mean, Jesus is pointing out here the, the reality that's going to come after his death. Um, so when he says, you will keep my commandments, um, he's speaking this as a future reality that isn't yet taking place. Cause he's just come out of John 13, uh, where he washed their feet and turned to all of them and said, you're going to betray me and deny me. And they're all freaking out now in chapter 14, right? Cause Jesus sense. is saying that, that they're going to sin against him and he's going away. It almost sounds like, uh, he's leaving them because they did wrong. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so throughout John 14, as you, we heard last week, uh, and also this week, and as you keep going through John, Jesus isn't giving them um, more to worry about. He's taking away their fears and worries. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying to them is, uh, um, after my death and resurrection, you will love me mm-hmm. in a way that you don't right now. Okay, like so- you can't right now because uh, you're stuck in yourself. So just to be clear... We'd like to be clear. We let I, you know me. Um, <laughs> even though this reading comes after six, six, six Sundays after Easter, this is technically taking place before Jesus is put on the cross. That's right. So, okay. just to be clear, this is the sixth Sunday of Easter. Easter lasts for seven Sundays. This is still a Sunday of Easter where we are um, proclaiming the resurrection exclusively. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the uh, Sunday of the season of Easter. So, um, but we're now past all the all the um, ones where Jesus showed up the day of or the week after. And now, what the season of Easter is doing for us is pointing us back to before the cross and and saying that's what he told you would happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So this is still Easter, uh, but this is Jesus speaking before his crucifixion comes. Okay. And he's telling them what's going to happen in Easter. Mm-hmm. You're going to love me. Mm-hmm. You will. That's going to be a fact, of ma- a matter of fact. Okay, so then he continues on to say, I'll ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. Right. What What does that mean? What's the advocate? Who's the so advocate? Jesus, Resurrected Jesus? So we have another advocate, right? Yeah. Uh, oftentimes the Holy Spirit is is talked about as the advocate. Um, the, the term paraclete is what the Greek term is here. It's a very famous term for the Holy Spirit. Uh, but Jesus is saying, when after my um, death, I will send the other advocate. So he's been their advocate. And an advocate is somebody who is, you know, on your side, standing beside you, uh, there with you all the time, right? Um, Somebody who speaks on your behalf, uh, somebody who protects. And so uh, Jesus is saying, when my physical body is no longer here, you're not going to be without me. The Holy Spirit is going to be here with you. Mm-hmm. Because remember, the disciples' real worry at this point is that uh, they have they will sin against Jesus, uh, and they don't want that, and so they're trying to fight against that. But that's exactly what Jesus does in order to take their sin away. He makes them sin against him, uh, in, so that uh, and then they think, well, if we sin against him, then he's going to uh, abandon us. He's going to leave us, and then and then where will we be? Um, so that so that they're stuck in themselves instead of hearing what Jesus is telling them. You're going to do this. You're going to kill me and I'm going to forgive you (laughs) and I'm never going to leave you. And he's telling them all this before it happens. And he's saying, after I die and resurrected, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to be with you forever. So that even when you don't see me, and that's going to be part of the, the second half of this, right? When you don't see me, you still have me by your side. You still have the spirit that is there for you speaking this word to you. Mm -hmm. So he continues on kind of what you just said, Lars, this is the spirit of truth whom the, whom the world cannot seize, receive. Wow. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. So why, I guess, why can't the world uh, receive the spirit of truth? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, um, uh, and what is the spirit of truth? The spirit of truth will be the, the Holy Spirit. Remember last week, uh, Jesus said, I am the truth. And now here's the spirit of truth reminding you of Christ. So the spirit of truth is the Holy Spirit that, uh, that only speaks Christ's word, right? Um, and remember, of course, what the world says, Adam, about, uh, about truth as spoken in Pilate's uh, language at the end of the Gospel of John, where Jesus is on trial, who says, what is truth, right? Yeah. Um, and, uh, but here now, this is why the, the spirit cannot, um, the world cannot see nor understand nor receive the Holy Spirit because the world itself is, um, against what the spirit is doing. Mm. The world is, uh, dead set on death, um, sin, uh, fighting for themselves, being their own advocate, uh, um, doing things their own way, fighting for control. And here comes the spirit. Um, saying, uh, no, I'm on your side. The world cannot understand that because it's not seeable, right? Um, how do you see forgiveness? I know people try to 
point this out, but this is, as, a, as God's forgiveness, it really is just a promised word to you that yeah. you cannot see. You might see the effects of it, uh, um, but you can't see forgiveness as a thing. It's mainly something you feel. It's something you hear and believe. That's true. You yeah. might feel something around it, but you actually just receive this word and that's it. There's no yeah. evidence of it, right? So somebody could go, uh, let's say, to Mason and say, prove to me why Christ has forgiven your sin. There's nothing to do. The world, you can't take that evidence into court and, and win a case by this, right? So the world and the spirit, it says in Galatians, are opposed. Uh, the flesh and the spirit are opposed. And it says there that in Galatians 5 that the spirit uh, is opposed to what you desire. Because that's all of the world. That's all, how do I keep myself going? How do I, uh, like we talked about earlier, uh, follow the law in order to, to make God proud of me? Uh, how can I prove myself in the world rather than hearing simply the word of Christ that says, you are forgiven? So what the Spirit and Christ are doing at the crucifixion here is, is creating a new kingdom. Not improving the old. And the world itself cannot take a new kingdom. So what the word is doing, this word of Christ, his commandments, as it were, are doing, are depicting the new creation for you. So is the new kingdom heaven? Yeah, you can call that so heaven if you like. So was heaven not there before? Um, uh, the new kingdom in Christ, as there's another word in this that, that says the world, but it really says the Greek word is cosmos. Uh, and yes, this is a, a, a brand new creation. As Jesus says, all everything else has passed away. Heaven and earth pass away, but my word does not. Does Christ's word creates a new heaven and a new earth. Sorry, maybe I'm just getting too much in the weeds. Uh, you're going help, in the weeds a little bit, but we'll try to fish you stop. out. But in Genesis, doesn't it say God created the heavens and the earth? That's correct. But you just said it's a new creation. So how there did is the a brand new creation in Christ. Created the creation that was created in Genesis. Uh, the old cosmos, the old creation, everything that is in the old comes to an end. In okay, Christ's that's death, confusing, but okay. Yeah. okay. And in his resurrection, there is a new kingdom, mm -hmm. which is be being created for you. Mm -hmm. Now, you still live in this world. You still live here uh, trying to mightily fight for your own selves to do your own thing. But that's why the spirit... Uh, can't be received in the world. Mm -hmm. Finally, can only be received by those who trust Christ for their life. By faith. By faith. Yeah. Right. The same faith the Spirit creates. <laughs> exactly. So the Spirit uh, uh, gives the faith. You cling to the Spirit in this kingdom. The Spirit continually speaks to you of Christ's word to give you life in the new kingdom in this old world. Yeah. Uh, Christ's pretty cool. I yeah. mean... Not, not to just dwell on that, but the, that you've got Jesus is the word and Jesus died to forgive for the forgiveness of sins. And when he was resurrected, he gives you the word to continue exactly to, to give you this word in the, the old world. Like you're still stuck here. You're still alive. You haven't died yet. Well, you've died. Maybe you've died baptism, in Christ by faith. Right? Yeah. yeah. But it's, I've been but crucified it's, to the world. Yes. As Paul says. But it's absolutely critical that you understand this as a new creation. Otherwise, what you think the Spirit is doing is coming into the old world to speak uh, to, to the world to say, come on, um, uh, President Biden, you can do better. Yeah. Uh, come on, Governor, whoever, uh, you will, will, will be led by the Spirit. Rather than the Spirit is 
taking you out of this world through the promise of Christ and into a new kingdom. That's the kingdom of faith that the world cannot see and cannot understand, which is why the spirit of truth cannot be received in the world. So then how does the text, you know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. Right. How does that come into play with what you just said? Because Jesus is giving them his word. You'll know him. Mm -hmm. You'll know him because of his promise to you. They won't until they're told of this. That's why Jesus uh, uh, sends the disciples out to proclaim his death and resurrection to the world. Mm -hmm. Because literally you can't know this until it actually comes to your ears. But uh, he's giving the disciples here who are worried that they're going to be abandoned and left out. He's giving them comfort, not telling them, be better lovers so that you can prove that you you love me and then you'll have something. No, he's saying, uh, be confident that you know me. After the resurrection, after you see uh, your sin, after you're fully encased in fear and you see me appear, whether you see me in the flesh or you see me with your ears in this word, you'll know that I uh, abide in you and you in me and Mm -hmm. I in the Father and the Father in you. And that's going to go on for a couple of chapters of John here with this circular language about who abides where and when. Uh, but uh, it does get pretty confusing. But the point of it is exactly that, Kiri, giving comfort to the disciples that they are not abandoned and left. Yeah. That they don't have to find their own way even. Yep. But to trust that God uh, in Christ is with them. Yeah. I mean, it's not just with them. It's for you. It's, it's the, the most personal thing that it could possibly be. He's literally, he will be in you. He is you. <laughs> right. Abiding there, right? Uh, and back to uh, last week with the uh, beginning of John 14, um, where uh, Jesus goes ahead to prepare rooms or mansions. I'm not sure which, uh, which translation people are using these days, but also dwelling places. That's the same word as abiding. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is saying like it's a very close connection. You don't have to go uh, searching for him someplace. He's abiding in you and you and him by this promise. Yeah. He sort of continues to make this point too, that he's not going to leave them alone. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming to you. In a little while, in a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day, you'll know that I am in the father and you and me and I and you. So he continues to say, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, you're not going to be alone, which would be a, tr- a true fear, as you've just said, if yeah. uh, Christ also said, uh, I'm going to die. <laughs> right. Yeah. He just blatantly says this. In a little while, the world will no longer see me. I right. mean, how he's telegraphing this. How yeah. much more do you need and to say? a little while longer, three days later, they'll see me again. Right. <laughs> no, it is. You're absolutely right, Adam. I mean, he's saying, I will not leave you. And the strangest one is the one that gets neglected. The next phrase, I'm coming to you. Yeah. Because what he's telling them is he's going away, mm-hmm. but by going away, what is he doing? He's arriving mm-hmm. in a way that he can't leave ever again. Mm-hmm. That is uh, often mistaken. It, it seems like two opposite things, right? Uh, I'm, um, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to come to you. But it sounds like he's leaving. He's going to the cross and they're not going to see him. Yeah. But he's saying... <laughs> When I go and you have the spirit, I will always be with you. I'm coming to you in a way that makes the kingdom real. 
that isn't leaving you to find me someplace else, right? So uh, oftentimes we make kind of fun of this, of people wanting to, you know, have you found Jesus? Uh, yeah. And it's, it's this, this whole thing, right? Like Jesus is out there someplace, and if you find the right path, and if you get on the right road and you follow the right way, that eventually you'll event he'll you'll uh, arrive with him. Mm-hmm. But he's saying no. the uh, The opposite is true. Not mm-hmm. you have to come find me, but I'm coming straight to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're never without me. Mm-hmm. Now uh, we don't trust that. We don't believe that, and so we go on um, hikes and searches and spiritual journeys and and who knows whatever uh, whatever else we might call this uh, um, the monastic life, trying to get simple life, whatever it is. Instead of telling people that despite what they feel or see around them, Jesus is coming straight to them. Yeah, we say, I, I sometimes think of the third article of the creed, especially Luther's explanation. We say it in, in this way, I believe that I cannot believe. And then as I teach my confirmation students, the big but, uh, but the Holy Spirit has called me. <laughs> Uh, you teach your confirmation <laughs> series to students about your big butt? <laughs> <laughs> wow, Adam. That something has changed and yes. the Holy Spirit's actually coming to you in the same way. Yeah. Right. Exactly. No, it's not that we can find him or go searching. It's that he comes to us, yeah. enlightening us with the gospel, speaking Christ's word to us, uh, giving us all the gifts that come with this, which is back to the beginning of, uh, of this uh, session where we're talking about love. Um and, you know, is love something that buys you credence or buys you favor with God by being a good lover? That's usually what people mean by going on a spiritual quest or, or, or finding, a, uh, the, finding Jesus in their love. They're looking around and saying, uh, show me how to be um, more loving in the world. And that'll show that I'm more Christian, mm-hmm. right? Um, and if you think of it that way, just as at the beginning of this uh, passage, then, um, you know, the, the question that really sticks out for me is, can love, does love happen by command? Like if you uh, go to your children, even your dog, and you say, love me more. <laughs> does that, does that work? No. I wish. Uh, yeah, you wish, because Adam's an authoritarian, and, uh, <laughs> and he wants everybody to do what he says, which at least he's honest about it. The rest of us would like that, too. Um, but, but love can't be commanded like that, right? No. Uh, lo- so so when, when we preach something like, just love more, mm-hmm. you're not actually going to get love out of that. You're going to get more anxiety yeah. or worry out of that. Um. No, love has to is much more natural than that, right? Even for for uh, God, whose word does everything, uh, does what it says. Um, still, love wouldn't be actual love if it was just kind of commanded of you, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a really weird way to to speak of love. Um, it's much more natural and just happens that way, right? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I mean, it's given. It's not. Right. Commanded. So, so if we go on a journey to be more loving, we're just like practicing this. Can we practice our way to it? it can't be commanded of us. In, in, I mean, uh, you guys are married. How did how did you how do you love somebody? Did you practice uh, uh, together? You're like, you know, we'll go take a few classes. Uh, <laughs> we'll try some habits no, you out. Can't put your finger on it. No, what you you finally Adam, end up. What were you gonna say? You finally <laughs> end up looking at somebody and saying. Uh, uh, you are going to have my entire life. I would give my life to be with you. 
That's love. That's actually what Jesus commanded his disciples to do, right? Mm -hmm. Love as I have loved you. Now, if you put that on a scale and you say, how are we doing uh, loving as Jesus loved us? How far are we down our path? Um, well, one, that's a really weird way to do it, even though we, you will hear sermons like this, right? Kind of start measuring your love. Well, that's what I'm worried about, that people could take verse 21 and spin that to be what you're about to say. Right. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, exactly. and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself right. to them. But what Jesus is saying isn't, uh, now, um, now uh, let's see how you can be better at loving. He's saying, uh, look, all I'm asking of you is to see what I've done for you and to love me back. That, so that Jesus becomes your entire life. <laughs> Just like you would say to your, your spouse or your children, uh, you are my life. Well, that's what Jesus is asking for. He's not saying uh, start measuring and seeing how well you are being my disciple. He's saying, I have given my life for you. Mm -hmm. He's not asking for this in return. He's saying, if I've given my life for you, he's not asking to be paid back. He's saying, your entire life is in my death and resurrection. That's why this is an Easter sermon. And on that note, we've reached the end of this week's episode, my friends. Thank you to Lars Olson for teaching us that in order for Jesus to stay with us forever, he first has to leave. In doing so, he gave us another advocate, the Spirit of Truth, who abides with us and is in us forever. The world may not be able to receive the Holy Spirit, but luckily, Christ as a new creation for us in his word. In Luther House of Studies podcast, Sing to the Lord, Lars Olson and I break down a hymn's history, lyrical meaning, and the way it preaches the gospel with Zachary Brockhoff. Click on this episode's show notes for a link to Sing to the Lord's podcast feed to catch up on all the excellent hymns we've discussed. Thanks again for joining us this week. We have the Advocate, the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next time on Scripture First.